Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome along to the VMTV Rugby Pod. Matt, I suppose the only news to start is the six Scottish players who broke the team protocols last weekend and headed out in Edinburgh. Apparently that is the case. Two of those players involved, Captain Stuart Hogg and Finn Russell. What do you all make of it, Matt? Uh, it's very hard to fathom, Stu, isn't it? I saw that online and you just... You're just exasperated, really. I think is the is the term I'd use. Uh, you know how 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 can the leaders of the team, three lines, uh, and the captain, senior players, break protocol, a simple protocol. Once we come back to the hotel for a whole lot of reasons, COVID, alcohol, a whole lot of reasons, don't go out, and they just ignore what's best for the team because they're playing a test match representing their country uh, uh, six days later, so it's a Sunday game, and um, go out drinking. I mean, even in the amateur days, <laughs> people would have said, come on now, if, if we said we're not going out, we're not going out. We do it as a team. But, look, it's, it's, it's something Shane Horgan has pointed out on TV a number of times is the culture that leadership in a team provides uh, has a direct impact on the field. And if you look at at Hogg and Russell, they've, they've made big mistakes in big games this year um, and, and have lacked, especially um, Finn, Russell has lacked energy and in defence and determination. Yet you've got people like Rory Dug busting his backside in his first game to, to defend and to sprint back and to make hard tackles. And I can only just feel for Gregor Townsend and the Scottish rugby supporters. He must just be saying, well, what, what is it these guys don't get? Like, what is it you don't get about that? And I, 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 I find and, – and look, the, the, what this Scottish team is in danger of, and I've come out and said they're the most talented group Scotland have had in since professionalism started. But that's all going to be wasted because of their, their inconsistency. And you're seeing then adding things like this. There's no wonder they're inconsistent if that's their mindset. Like I, I, I'm, I was upset when I heard it, but I was in disbelief. I said, surely, like at this time of the season, at this, this where we are in the game and where Scotland are poised, and their captain and their leading players. I mean, it is it's really uh, sad. I really feel for Gregor Townsend because that reflects on the team and it shouldn't. 
It shouldn't reflect reflect on Gregor at all. But that's just the way the world looks. Like. So, well, look, this is the second time this has happened with guys with alcohol. Like, what's going on? What's Gregor doing? They're men. They're men. They're growing men. They're not children to say, you naughty little boys. These are growing men, senior professionals that have let their country and their coach just swinging out there in the wind. I'm, I'm, I'm really, really, really staggered. Alan, do you echo exactly what Matt says? What do you make of it? Yeah, it's um, it's very, very strange. Um, and so I'm, I'm like, it's hard to believe that this, this has happened. Uh, maybe it's not a big thing with all the players because um, out of the group that went out, they they all seem to be involved. Barfin Russell, am I correct in saying that? Yeah. Um. So. Tupaluto's not. Al Tupaluto's. Uh, he's gone off the bench. Is he? Yeah. Um, so what we're hearing is that there has been a statement from the Scottish Rugby Union that um, some of the players came home and maybe some didn't. Um, but I, I, I think it's, look, without dwelling too much on it, um, it's, it's shocking to say the least. When you're part of a group, you have a privilege of playing for your country, uh, representing your club, your family, your people, um, and your country, most important, and having respect for, for the people around you. I, I'm, I, like, this is something that you would associate with an under 18 team or maybe an under 20 team, a club side. Yeah. Like this, these are adults, they're experienced guys. They've been around a long time. Um, the situation, if they go out, they get COVID, they bring it back into the, the, the camp. They could jeopardize everyone's uh, possibility of playing against Ireland this week. So like what planet are they on? Um, there's, there's something serious. They all should have been dropped in my opinion. The whole lot should have been gone. He should have made a statement. They're not going to win in Dublin anyway, I don't think. Um, should have made a statement, should have dropped a whole lot of them. Um, and that's that's where the only failing in all this is that he hasn't dropped all six of them out of the 23. Um, and that, like, it's shocking stuff. And look, people make mistakes. People will stay out past, uh, you know, um, curfews and times. And I've been in teams over the years. Um, but in COVID makes it's it's a different situation with COVID, and all these players and squads would have sat down before the tournament, agreed the protocols that they were going to adhere to, but trying to stay in the bubble as much as they can. It's difficult for some who are have to go back to France and stuff like that, but to try and do the right thing, to actually go back to Edinburgh, and to do it back at at base basically is it's mind boggling, but. Look, um, uh, Gregor, I'm sure, will be cri- uh, quizzed in this a bit more post-game. Um, but it's a pity. It's a shame it's happened. And um, um, I'm not sure how it will affect them. I think they'll still be fired up. They'll still be very dangerous. Um, they'll still want to try and get a result. Sometimes things like this galvanise the team, brings them closer together. But it's a pity because I, I like it's, it's only really kind of... I've only heard it a, a very short while ago... Um, and I don't want to be too hard on guys, but they're not kids. Um, you said it, Matt. They're not kids, and they should know better. And I just, it just goes against anything that you're trying to build in a team, any sort of respect and unity. And uh, I, I don't know why. Have a few beers in the hotel, and just understand the world is different at the moment with COVID. You bring COVID in, as I said, jeopardizes the game. Yeah, Matt. If we take one last one on Finn Russell. Obviously, he's had his issues with Gregor in the past. This is now another issue. Where does he 
with uh, Scotland go from here? I know he's on the bench tomorrow, but even going forward, you know, is would you still have him involved because he's so good, Matt, or do you not see it like that? I don't know the psychology of Finn. There is there is zero doubt of his talent and his ability. He's a good bloke as well, Matt. He's popular he? with players. He's a yeah. decent fella, very mannerly, a nice fella. Yeah. Probably a little bit childish, maybe young, free spirit. Um, yeah. But he is a good bloke, to be fair. Yeah. So we don't yeah. want to completely kick a fellow when he's down. But he's had no. issues with with Gregor, and this cropped up. Was it last year, the year before, when he came yeah. back in the Sunday night and he went out for a few beers as well? And yeah. um, it's it's only himself he's hurting really. It, it, it is, Albert. And look, his his form. And as I said, this this guy's a really good player. And the, Scotland. And I know from first-hand experience, the, the big issue for Gregor is the depth of talent, of playing talent uh, within Scotland. Um, and very rarely do you have these world-class 10s that obviously Finn is. So you've got a world-class 10, a world-class 15, number eight, nine, like the spine of that team for the first time in 20 years in, in every position, including Hooker, if you put Hooker in the spine of that team, is really strong. But Finn has not played well uh, since the England game. He's, he's been poor. And I don't know why. Now, I, I don't know this for a fact. He doesn't look to be in prime condition. He looks to be a little bit lax. With sometimes uh, the French players that go to France get into that habit because you can't train as hard because you're playing every week, every Saturday. So you, you've got to rest to get ready to play and, you, and your conditioning drops off. That's I would... Suspect that's happened with with Finn, and his form has not been anything like we know what it can be. He's dropped some simple balls. You know, he got himself yellow carded. He he um, did a terrible kick up the field against Dupont, where Dupont uh, counterattacked and they scored. And he didn't chase back to with the, enough energy and effort to to fix up his mistake. He let other people do it, and they didn't or couldn't do it. They scored a try. Now there was. Shane Horgan said something to me, which I agree, that, that really that attitude from a leader, you can't have it in the team and there has to be something done to address it because you compare that again, as I said before, to Rory Dag, who's who has just been sensational since he's given his chance. He's only he's two run-ons and he's been brilliant, but he's been the exact opposite. So it doesn't take talent to do those things, but it does take effort and it does take commitment. And I'm not suggesting that Finn is not committed to Scotland, but somewhere along that those combinations of things, he just hasn't got it together at this year's Six Nations. And he might be trying his guts out and just not working for him. But it doesn't appear that way when you're just observing it from the sidelines. Alan, if we move on to the game and we look at Ireland, Jack Conan come in, comes in and so does Mark Hansen. What do you make of the team? And I think you said it earlier, Ireland will be too strong, you think. But are they the changes you would have made, or you expected you have expected Andy Farrell to make? Um, yeah, I, I, part, I partly guessed he tweaked it a little bit. Um, Jack Conan played really well when he came on last week, and um, Matt and I both had a good chat about Peter O'Mahony and what he brings, and the reason probably he was picked for Scott for for the English game last week. He's terrorised our lineout. He's been brilliant at the breakdown. This week is a different game. It's kind of horses for courses, and Ireland want to attack and they want to probably finish on a real high and I'm sure you know one of Jack's biggest strengths is his ball in hand he's he's 
he loves getting the ball in hand. He can evade players. He's a great carrier. A little bit different to Peter. They have different strengths. So I think, um, obviously, yeah. that impact last week, he showed a reaction. He showed an enthusiasm when he came on and scored a great try. He runs those lines brilliantly, doesn't he? Um, so that one that one wasn't a big surprise. I think O'Mahony coming off the bench, and the bench will be crucial this week again if they want to build tempo and try and um, keep control of the game. And that bit of experience will, will certainly be important. But... Um, you know, he's back at Bundiaki again. How do you separate these guys? We've, we've spoken about it, haven't we, Matt? Bundiaki, Robbie Henshaw. Um, and maybe that's what Andy Farrell... Sometimes when you come on and you make a brilliant impact off the bench, uh, a coach can take, well, you could do that again next week. Yeah. Uh, so um, Robbie showed that hunger as well coming on and he was brilliant in some of his decision-making. And to be fair to Bundiaki, I thought... He was outstanding against Wales. He was good in Paris. Um, you know, he's he's played really well for Ireland. He looks in good shape. He looks hungry as well. So it's hard to split those guys. Um, they have played together in the centre a number of times for Ireland, but Ringrose gives you that. He's really pivotal now in this this wide game that Ireland are playing. Um, so, you know, no no real surprises. I think Mac Hansen coming in for Andrew Conway is, is a no-brainer. I think Hansen actually... Can, can offer something different again from that footballing point of view and being a, a receiver if he comes in field and, and bringing other guys into the game. So um, I think Ian Henderson, you know, there's no debate. He was obviously going to come in and start. He needs a big game this week. Um, he's a wonderful player, Ian Henderson. Probably would be frustrated himself with the two penalties probably last week. I'm probably no one to talk about penalties because um, two, two was a small number to me, Matt. You know that. Glass houses, Quinny. Glass houses, mate. He just, uh, he needs a big game. And he's a great player. And I think it's hard. Somebody's, Hendy hasn't played a lot of rugby this year. Um, He's a brilliant player. And I think he'll be better even for that experience last week. So um, no real surprises. I think the scrum is obviously the big issue that we now know that the the referee's feedback and the the, from uh, referee manager back to the Ireland camp was that some of the decisions were wrong. Yeah, um, I knew that last week when I looked at him. Um, unless I was totally crazy, um, it was probably a 50-50 situation. Yeah. Some of them should have been reset, maybe not even penalties uh, for either side. But this narrative that Ireland scrum is completely in tatters at the moment is, 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 uh, is not the case. England did have that little bit of pressure on them. Um, and it's something they need to learn going forward, that if people are wheeling and stepping across and moving that that point of contact and that pressure point, you've got to go with the flow and, and, and counteract it in some way. Create a different picture, because there's no point in, you know, if, if Ireland are in a World Cup quarterfinal in 18 months, I don't want to be jumping too far ahead. You're out if, if that situation happens. You give away six scrum penalties. So... In in one sense, win with a bonus point last week and have those issues and try and fix them um, will be really important for the team. But um, the, the the key for me, Stuart, this week is mentally. Can they find that drive? That can they get up to fifth gear, uh, fourth fifth gear as quickly as possible and and really have a real tempo and energy to their game? Um, and because there's going to be a bit of a bite out of this Scottish team. Everybody's writing them off. They were poor in Italy last week and got some good tries. But in the end, you're winning by 12, 13 points against the Italian team in Rome. 
you're not going to be bouncing out of the place thinking that was brilliant. So they obviously lost to Wales, got trounced by France in that second half. So are we good enough to beat them? Absolutely. And we should we should expect to beat them. But there's going to be a bit of bite, a bit of a bite out of the Scottish team tomorrow for sure. Yeah, Matt, there will be a bit of bite out of the Scottish team, but the talking point is Blair Kinghorn at 10 instead of Finn Russell. Kinghorn, he hasn't played much rugby at all 10. What do you make of him? And Matt, it is a big, big day for him. Is he up to the task? You know, you've got to feel sorry a bit for the young man. It's obviously a huge day for him, as you say, Stu. But, wow, he's been handled a very big mission, hasn't he, by Gregor? I mean, Gregor... We're assuming, you know, I'm going to say we're assuming here there's something to do with discipline. Uh, I, I agree with Quinny that perhaps the best thing to do is to drop a lot of them. But there, there is there is this dilemma the coach has, do I punish the team? So he, he's made a big call at 10. And that's going to be very, very hard to do in the international stage with not a lot of rugby in that position under your belt. Um, it's it's going to be difficult. I, I look, I look across that side. And really, and I'm not taking away from, from the issues at, at, at out half, but the, where this game and every test match is going to be won is one to eight. And especially for the Scots in D, what the Irish, if you watched Ireland open against England in those first few minutes leading up to James uh, Lowe's try, the, the movement of the ball between forwards and backs and the number of passes and the pace and tempo of the game there was just a wow to it. It was like, woof, look at that. They are really coming out. And that what that, that tempo does, it asks questions of the forwards in D. They're, they're not only saying, do I have to make a tackle? It's choosing who to make a tackle. And a bit of that was the issue with, with the red card because the, obviously England had been told, no dummies off the front man. And someone's got to get around to get hold of Sexton, which is what they tried to do but got it wrong. Very, very wrong. Now, I'm just not sure that that Scottish pack, especially the Scottish type five, can deal with the pace that Ireland put on a game for a long period of time. Now, I'm not saying they're weak. I'm not saying – and and obviously uh, having Johnny Gray coming back, I think is a bit huge plus for them. But that's going to be where it's won or lost. And a bit like um, – Joey Carberry against France. Everyone was judging Joey against France. So, well, look, if your pack lays down the foundation, nine and ten's job is really easy. But if your pack's not laying down a foundation, it makes the nine and ten's jobs hard. So I think so much of what is going to happen with Kinghorn is, is about what his pack does, as it is for every ten in the game. And that's that's my, my issue. I think that Irish pack will dominate. And I agree with Quinny. Um, I actually thought the English the English scrummaging performance was a virtuoso coaching and player performance. Now, much of it was illegal. There's no doubt about that it was illegal. But it was brilliantly illegal. Like the coordination, the old school, so you had the tight head angling in onto the Irish hooker, the tight head flanker breaking off and pushing, literally just pushing Keane Healy across, and the other six forwards stepping to the left. Like in, in the old days when we played in the 80s, a step and wheel. I mean, it was brilliantly illegal. And I, I'm, I'm saying that. Like, I, I watch the tapes and I'm going, that takes a lot of practice to get that right and a lot of cohesiveness. I don't, the Scots haven't got that, I don't believe. 
But they're very good scrums taken square. Their scrum hasn't gone backwards. But it's their defence in the midfield where France found a lot of holes at Murrayfield that I think will make life very, very difficult for them and make Kinghorn's job, you know, that's going to be a tough day for the young man. I hope he goes well. Yeah, Alan, how do you protect Blair Kinghorn? You know, will Hamish Watson, Roy Dards and Ferguson want to protect them or will they just be concentrating themselves to make sure they're good up front and win turnovers and let the rest take care of itself and hopefully Kinghorn will have a good day for their sake? I don't, I don't think he needs much protecting. He's a big physical guy. He's uh, six foot four or five, very big fly half and uh, quite strong and athletic. So I don't think he needs physical protecting. I think he needs good quality ball. Um, yeah. Alan Price needs to, to, needs to deliver to him and he's and the Scottish forward. So um, that, that's going to be the key for them, getting their breakdown right, um, accuracy there and, and giving him some some time and space because he's a running fly half as well and, and uh, he'd be a, he's a real tread with the ball in his hand. He obviously had a brilliant game against Connacht a few weeks ago in the URC, but that's different level. This is um, There's going to be a different pace and tempo to this, this, this game at international level. But... He's a good player, he's a threat, and he's dangerous. So if he goes well, um, you know, he could cause Ireland some problems. So they've got to be very, very mindful of that defensively. Um, and the best way you ask the question, well, how Scottish Scotland protecting? Keep the ball for long periods. The more touches you get as a as a player who's coming in that hasn't played there in a while, um, your confidence grows and you can get into the game. So Ireland will have to try and make it difficult and put pressure on him and um, Get at him, get Bundyaki running down that channel, try and get him on the ground and uh, ask those kind of questions. But that's that's the, the intrigue of the game. Who holds on to the ball? Ireland are a very good possession-based team. Um, they really need to tidy up the, the turnover situation this week because they forced a few passes last week. And Scotland are a team who'd love a bit of chaos. Uh, um, you know, the game to kind of go all frantic and everyone to be throwing the ball around. They'll enjoy that as well. I think Ireland probably need to be quite structured for, for a period of this game, particularly early on. Ask questions up front with their with their own scrum mall, um, one-out runners, that they, they really make Scotland feel the physical side of the game and, and Ireland win the collisions. But they have some powerful players. Schumann, um, great carrier for them. If he gets it's in the front foot and, and, and an exceptional back row, I think, Fagerson. Darge and, and Watson can cause all sorts of problems. So Ireland have had breakdown issues. Um, they had him against Italy a couple of weeks ago. They had a couple last week and they've got to improve their accuracy there and and limit the turnovers. And and I think they'll that'll be the it will set the tone for the game, particularly early on. A final one on this, Matt. Uh, I have to go back to 2010. Good old Dan Parks was a hero that day, the last time Scotland won in Dublin. I know you're a fan of Dan Parks. But yeah, is there any chance for Scotland tomorrow? Danny's a good guy. I still keep in touch with him. He's a lovely fellow back in Australia now. Um, look, Scotland don't fear Ireland. And when they, you know, they've come close at the Aviva a few times. Let's remember when Stuart Hogg, you know, dropped the ball over the try line there. If he had to put that ball down, Ireland were in a bit of trouble that day. So they'll come to the Aviva with no fear. I'm not doubting that. But Ireland are playing in a very different manner than they were uh, the last time the, the two teams met. Ireland are playing wonderful rugby. And, and, and there's a lot of people slagging 
Ireland during the week. You know, I, don't, I just don't get that. You, you, they started brilliantly. They got some tough decisions against them. And England, what does everyone think England's going to do? Lay down? England are a proud country, and they fought like champions. They, they, you don't get Mauro Toja and these guys to lay down. They'll never lay down. And they fought and fought, and, and they would have cracked a lot of other teams the way they fought. It was a limited game plan from England, but Ireland weathered the storm, regrouped, and scored tries late in the game. doesn't matter whether you scored them in the first minute or the 79th minute. They're all worth the same amount of points. And Ireland, you know, Jack's try was after, I think it was a minute 50 of possession. As Quinny said, they're excellent at holding the ball. But at home, at the and, – and sorry, Ireland will have grown their momentum from that win. That was a big day for Ireland. They needed to win that game. They'll come to the Aviva. Very happy place, the Aviva. They haven't lost there in a long, long time. And they'll, be, they'll want to go into New Zealand, which is coming up in, in the summer, with some more moments. And I think the pace that they'll play will be very hard to Scotland live with. Right now, we don't know what's happening internally in Scotland. As Alan said, they're either pulls them together, or some of the guys look back at the leaders and go, you've got to be kidding So we don't know which it's going to be. We don't know which it's going to be. Either way, I don't think Scotland will come out without fear. But I think the pace and tempo and accuracy of the Irish passing and running game eventually will will wear. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Uh, Scotland down, but they won't be able to live for the full 80 minutes with that. I think that would, would give Ireland the win. Well, it's going to be a fascinating match. If we move on to Saturday evening, big one for France. Alan, going for the Grand Slam against England. It's going to be a cracking match, isn't it? You know, France playing all the rugby and it's really set up for them. It'll be a cracking match if England turn up and uh, and make a match out of it uh, like we all want, want them to do. I think uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a really tough challenge. All the momentum is with, with the, the French side at the moment. Um, they've Huge amount of consistency and selection right throughout the tournament. Very, very little change. We've seen a couple of changes because of COVID in the last game, but by and large, this team is 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 very, very settled, um, very confident, um, and incredibly powerful and abrasive. And you know, Paris is going to be rocking on Saturday night, isn't it? They really believe it's 2010 since the last one of Grand Slam, and that would, you know. 
that's much too long for this French side. I think, um, you know, there is a great feeling. Matt will know this from, from living over in France. There's an enthusiasm and an optimism and uh, a real excitement about this team um, that they can actually win something. And uh, it's all on the line tomorrow night for them. Um, have they been brilliant throughout the championship all the time? No. They kick the letter off the ball. They're very di direct and pragmatic. They have incredible power and physicality. Um, they kick the most in the competition. Um, and then they have, they have brilliant individual X-Factor players who can just do something special. And when they get into the right areas, that's when they can punish you and score tries and, and, and really ramp up the pressure. But I thought they were really, really poor in Cardiff last week. And it nearly cost them a better side. And if Wales... Jonathan Davies catches a pass there in the second half. It could be try time Wales and it could their Grand Slam was nearly gone. I don't think they'll they'll get complacent against England because the rivalry there and they love nothing more. If they were to choose any team in the Six Nations to win a Grand Slam at home with, it would be England. Um, so from our point of view, I think, yeah, we'd love if England turn up. Um, England are a physical side, Underhill back in, in the team. Uh, Sequay is in there again. Um, brilliant line out forward. They have plenty of power and grunt. I think Sinclair is a loss for England. Um, but can they match that physicality and pressure? And again, I think England's problem is in the back line, not up front. Matt, George Furbank comes in at full back for England. It's a massive test for him. But just touching on the physicality, which Alan mentioned, do you think England can compete with that? And you know, maybe do a number in France. I think they can compete. It's it's a it's a very good pack. I I agree with Quinny Sinclair's of not starting is is huge huge issue uh, uh, for England. Um, ben Young's coming back in, but it's outside uh, Ben Young's Marcus Smith. Like France have got them beaten left, right, and centre. Look, what's England Ben Young's going to do, Matt? He's going to kick. They should have left Harry Randall in there and just gone for broke here and and and, and attack France. Well, Quinny, I, I with you. I, I think what that tells us is the limited game plan they played so well against Ireland, and we've got to give them uh, a lot of leeway on the game plan they played because they only had fourteen men. They had to play in a certain manner, and it was very effective for a long period of that that uh, game. And they're saying we're going to kick the leather off the ball. We're going to maul. We're going to scrum. We're going to we're going to uh, contest your line out, and then we're going to kick the leather off the ball and make you play, and put pressure back on France. Now, there's, there's a couple of points to that. I think fr France had some illness in the camp. That's come out. They had flu and things in the camp, but mate, they were scared. The first the first time I ever seen France under Galtier play scared because they knew Cardiff was a banana skin. They, they, they're Young minds were already in Paris, and they were loving Paris. The French rugby union have been advertising La Crunch, as they call this game, England versus France. They've been advertising it since week one in France because they 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 bet was this is going to come to this game. It's going to be eighty five thousand people punching out national anthems, I la bleu, and with the tricolour waving. Presidents turning up. It's it's just going to be the biggest show on earth, and I think they're going to do it. England are going to try and play 101 rugby and tackle and snuff them out of the game. But I, I just don't – if they can't do it at Twickenham against Ireland, 
I don't think they'll be able to do it at Stade de France against France just because there's so many great individuals there that when there's nothing, they just create something. And and especially against that back line. If England had their full back line there, if it was Tulagi and, and Johnny May, Watson and Farrell across their three-quarter line, okay, that's a different story, but they haven't. Uh, and, and I think France, France will, un, unfortunately for Ireland, uh, will be too strong. If that is the case, it's still not a train smash for Ireland. That if Ireland comes second and win against Scotland, that's been a very credible Irish performance. I'll say something here so I, I, I get annoyed that don't want to annoy the Irish fans. I'd love to see Ireland win. But if I come in my helicopter a bit as an older rugby guy, not just completely immersed in one team, it's good for the game if, 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 if France can do something as well. Because we need a strong France for a strong Six Nations. Having them the way they have been the last 10 years hasn't been good for the championship. Have them back playing really good rugby and positive rugby and successful rugby is good for everyone, financially, uh, interest-wise and competition-wise. Here's the last bit. If it finishes France and Ireland on top, let's just say, one and two or equal first or Ireland, Ireland first, France second, two teams who have committed to running the ball, two teams who play high tempo attacking rugby, is being successful and defeating rush defence. That is brilliant for our game because both teams play beautiful rugby at the moment and long may it remain so and long may teams that play that style have success because that encourages the juniors, the clubs, everyone to emulate that style of game. And when our game is played like that, man, it's it's beautiful. It's great to watch. When our, play, our game is played like England is playing it at the moment and I understand why England are doing that. I'm, I'm not ripping into them for it they're doing it for a reason but it's not good to watch it's brave and it's courageous but it's like watching paint dry isn't it it's horrid when he just picking up there on what matt said like watching paint dry for england and ireland and france they're playing the good rugby to watch coming into this tournament you know eddie jones was saying she's england will be great to watch and they'll be attacking but as the tournament's gone on they really haven't sure they haven't no they don't have the players i think um you know, he's he's kind of pulled the rabbit out of the hat with George Furbank this week at full back and moved Stewart to the wing. Um I just don't see you just don't see that world class, aggressive, X factor, incredibly skillful player in that English backline who are causing problems and we've seen them cause very few problems for for teams throughout the Six Nation. Okay, yes, yeah, some of them are young. Um he wants the old uh, England mirror together with the the new England, and I'm not sure really sure what that what that means. But um, I was surprised that I was surprised that English pundit, pundits, players, uh, fans last week applauding a bonus point loss to Ireland and Twickenham, yeah. even with 14 men. Ireland won a, the first test in 2016 in South Africa with 14 men for most of the game. You know, it's, dare I say it, Matt Williams' Leinster beat Munster in 2002 in a Celtic League final with 14 men. It happens in games. Just because you're down to 14 doesn't mean that you're automatically going to lose the game or going to win the game or lose the game or whatever. Uh, lose the game, I should say. So... Uh, I don't know where England are at the moment. Um, I think they're a bit all over the place. Clive Woodward is coming out saying 
and he's probably been jabbing Eddie for a while and Eddie's jabbing him back a little bit. I think Eddie Jones's job on the line is his job is on the line here. I think if if France were to humiliate England and Paris, I think he's he's a serious uh, task in his hand to keep his job because we're not really sure what England are doing at the moment, the way they're playing. Of course, they showed a load of fight. These guys are top class professionals. Of course, they should show fight. They're playing at home, um, but I just you know. I understand it as a player, and I heard Jamie George saying it. He was very proud of the effort, of course. Um, and and to be fair, maybe it's a mark of respect to how, where Ireland are at the moment, that they do respect Ireland. Ireland are the best attacking team in the tournament. Um, so maybe it's a mark of respect. But I'm, I'm just surprised, you know. England are a powerhouse. They always have been. They've always more players. They should beat Ireland nine times out of ten. We bucked the trend uh, in the la- in the professional area, and we've turned that around, and we've been unbelievably competitive. But you know, the previous games we were humiliated over in, in Twickenham, so it was a, it was um, it was strange. I'm not sure what they're doing or where they're going at the moment. If Eddie Jones gets through tomorrow night and they somehow manage to put out a result or even a good performance, I think he'd be okay. And you wouldn't want to face England in the World Cup because. England in six months could be the best team in the world. You, they can just pull players, uh, produce players. They have a lot of talent to choose from. So who knows? But at the moment, they just look a little bit disjointed and not really sure what type of game they're playing. And they kick the ball away a lot. We, we covered the first game in Scotland. Um, they were very fortunate to get out of there. Uh, you know, Sorry, unfortunate that they didn't win it. But when they look back at that game, they had enough possession to win that game against Scotland, you know. So, negative rugby, you get punished, you get caught. And um, I'm not really sure what they're at at the moment. Matt, just wrapping up the England chat, if his job is on the line, as Quinny says, or close to being, he's well, a sort, I, of, he's a sort of guy to get them over the line and beat France. I think I'm just saying that that's coming out in the English media. I'm not necessarily saying it and judging him, saying that he should be sacked because, you know, obviously... The mood is different in the country and I think you read articles, you see the stuff online and that's the pressure. So I'm not saying that sack Eddie Jones for any of the listeners, but I think he is. I feel he's under a bit of pressure, Matt, is he? I don't think there's any doubt he's under pressure, Alan. And and, and that's, that's the environment in English sport. And that there's a lot of uh, leakage from the attitude in football where a manager has a bad month, he gets punted. And that leaks into other sports. So the English cricket team comes to Australia. They don't play well in Australian conditions, which are really hard. They want to sack the coach. Eddie Jones, you know, gets to a World Cup final. Then he, then he loses these number of players. And again, if I said on a pod a couple of times here, two, uh, six, or six, two Six Nations out from a World Cup or 18 months before a World Cup, Eddie Jones bloods a lot of players, plays mind games with his team, drops guys, moves them around. He likes to unsettle everyone. That's the way the guy does business. But come World Cup time, he has not got it wrong once. You know, you don't make three finals as a coach and winning one as an assistant coach without, um, you know, knowing your way around the cycle leading up to a World Cup. So I, I don't think in the – I think there's pressure definitely there in the, in the, in the um, community, rugby community, I, I think he'll be pretty good 
within the IR, uh, the RFU themselves unless something goes terribly awry on Saturday. But and let me tell you, it could. Potentially, potentially Matt, could. they could finish fifth again for the yes. second year in a row. And yeah. that's the big they question. Um, yeah. they need, they, 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 England needs Scotland to get nothing in Dublin. That's what they need. If they lose in Paris, they need to get a, a losing bonus point because Scotland and England are on 10 points. Yep. Wales are on six. They're going to get a bonus point. They're going to go to 11. Yep. Scotland need to get a point at least um, to not finish fourth or fifth. And I think that's, I think it's fair to say, and I've met Eddie Jones a few times and there's the, uh, you probably know him way better, Matt. Um, he's always been polite, pleasant. Um, I think he's pretty ruthless um, in his rugby when the rugby head is on. He's always been pretty polite to me and, and pretty nice. Um, so I can't say, you know, I, I don't want to get personal and say he's something he's not. I don't know. But he's pretty ruthless. Um, and there is a bit of pressure there. And I just think, maybe I'm wrong, but I think England potentially finishing fifth in this tournament for the second year in a row is probably not good enough for England. Yeah. Uh, no, I agree with that, Alan. I agree with that. Eddie, look, Eddie is a winner. He's not. He's not a rude person. When you meet him, he's never rude to you, and he's decent. You know, you know, very polite person. That, and and but you don't survive as a head coach in your national teams for almost twenty five years and in multiple club teams without being ruthless about your rugby. And he and he, he is. But I also think he's convinced the, the RFU about a long term plan for the World Cup, and. I, I, that, I agree with that. I totally agree with that. And I think that's where a lot of countries have failed in their in their planning for World Cups, is not being prepared to embrace a multi-year plan to get there. Because when something goes wrong in that multi-year plan, they panic and sack and change, so they never actually get to the end of that cycle. Australia's been guilty of that um, since about 2003 on a number of occasions, uh, as has uh, um, France, as have England. Now, I think because Eddie was successful at the last World Cup or relatively made a final, he, he's got some form of agreement there. But you're dead right, finishing fifth two years in a row is well below the acceptable standards of, um, of, of what England should be doing and should expect. Well, it's going to be interesting. We must move on quickly to the last game of the weekend. Wales v Italy. Alan, big days for Dan Bigger. It's his 100th. Cap for Wales, and then Alan Wynne Jones comes back in 150th. He's some man, isn't he? Incredible. I played against Alan Wynne, I know him well. Um, it's just phenomenal. Um, his longevity, his tenacity, um, and his pride for his country. You know, he, he epitomizes what sacrifice and commitment and de desire is all about. We spoke about uh, a group of Scottish players at the start that. Um, not setting a good standard for their team. This guy set a standard as a leader, as a passionate rugby player for Wales. And the whole of Wales should be very, very, very proud of the way this guy puts his body in his line for his country. And I played against him a number of times. I don't know, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Is Does it mean he's around for ages or I'm gone for ages? I'm not sure. But I played against Alan Wynn. Should have been on a Lions tour in 2009 with him. Um, didn't go, but... He, he's a great fella, great player, and he's he's of that Martin Johnson, Paul O'Connell uh, type, uh, 
character in rugby that that griddle gritty gritty leader captain um high achiever um you know someone who just turns up puts on the jersey does his job incredibly well and and loves doing it and has an incredible standard so alan everybody in rugby should salute alan win jones and uh, tip the hat team because it's phenomenal 150 tests tomorrow what an achievement and uh I don't know if anybody will surpass that, will they, Matt? It's 150 caps, international caps is, is incredible. And, uh, and and Dan Bigger as well, 100 caps, great achievement for him. Um, Johnny Sexton, of course, is, was at 105 tomorrow. He's equaling John Hayes's, John Hayes's record, the sixth most capped Irish player. So uh, it's phenomenal. I have 27 caps for Ireland, uh, had a few injuries and, and probably a few frustrations of non-selection at times. And... Uh, a lot of the guys around me, and um, particularly in that old monster team, would have got up 70, 80, 100 caps. Phenomenal. And if for any player, for any country, to play 100 tests is a remarkable achievement. And again, Dan Bigger is the same. You know, he's just such a winner. Um, and I love to see people in any sport play with that pride, that passion, uh, that desire. And they don't. you don't get this far without all that stuff. So I think it's obviously... Um, Wales would love to be uh, finishing, maybe trying to win a championship or a Grand Slam, I think, uh, in, in, in the Principality tomorrow. But um, still a very special day for those two boys. Yeah, as you say, Al, both incredible achievements for those two players. Matt, I will ask you one last time in this Six Nations Championship. Do you give Italy any chance tomorrow? No, I don't. I don't, unfortunately. The thing uh, that they... Did some, there was progress for Italy last week. There's no doubt about that. Um, Scotland scored long-range tries, quite good long-range tries as well. Um, and Italy did a lot of good things, especially in the first 20 minutes. But they just couldn't rack the points up. So they're putting pressure on, but they couldn't convert that pressure to scoreboard pressure. Um, you know, they've got some really brave players there. You know, Lamaro, their captain. Um when we talked about Alan Wynne-Jones and Dan Bigger, you know, the leadership that they provide for Wales. Bigger was magnificent last week. And he's, he, but he, therefore he looks he, – his example is is Alan Wynne-Jones. Just as across Ireland we have Brian O'Driscoll, then Paul O'Connell, you know, people that you just wanted to play for those guys and you would not let them down. You would not let them down. When you have a captain like that, you won't let them down. Now, Lamaro is turning into that sort of captain. He's a young guy. He's only, only in his early 20s, 23, I think he is. He's turning into that. And I can see this Italian side moulding and moving forward in time. But they're, they're not ready yet. We need to be patient with them. I think I, I, I have seen progress this year. Unfortunately, it hasn't um, progressed into, into wins or, or tries. They just don't seem to have anyone with a cutting edge in that back line. That can that can really just bang. I'm going to score a try and rip a team apart. That they had perhaps in the the turn of the century when they were beating um, better teams in the Six Nations. So no, the Wales are going to win this and win. It's going to be a celebratory day for for uh, Win Jones and bigger, and they deserve that. But I what again what I what I want to see from Italy is just a little bit of progress if they can defend well 
and, and put together some attack like they did at home, they definitely played better than they did against England and they definitely played better than they did against France. So it, while it's, it's not going to be enough for the millennium, um, I'm hopeful that they keep developing like that, that next year they might be closer to getting what the competition needs, which is them winning a game here and there. Yeah, it does need a win, exactly as you say, Matt. Right, lads, the last time, Quinny, we'll go to you. The results always, on Saturday, your come, predictions, always come please. To me, always come to me first, George, so Matt can have a little giggle. Um, I can have a think. Wales, Ireland and England. <gasps> Alan Quinley. <laughs> well, I go, I've, gone against, I've gone against France twice and uh, they, maybe the third, I might get third time lucky. I think it France did. will... I think France will win it, but um, for sure, I'm. I, I just think France. It's it's going to be Wales, Ireland, and France. Matt, can really Ireland? Hope. Can they win it? Yeah, I'm. I'm Alan and I are a link there. Wales, Ireland, and France, and uh, some substantial points in all three games. I suspect. Well, lads, it's been a pleasure, and don't forget, you can tune in tomorrow, four o'clock, Ireland v Scotland and Virgin Media One. Thanks for joining us over the series, lads, and I'll see you soon. Pleasure, Stuart. See you. Thank you, Stuart. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.